1: It is hard for me to find the words to describe just how honoured I am to be entrusted by our membership of the SNP to be the party's next leader and to be on the cusp of being our country's next first minister. Hello and welcome to Hollywood Sources, a special dropping into your feeds this Monday morning. Uh, excuse me, Monday afternoon, the twenty seventh of March, because the SNP have elected their new leader. It is Hamza Yusuf. Fifty two percent of the votes to forty eight percent of the votes was, believe it or not, how it shook out. Uh, Andy McKeever, former director of communications for the Scottish Conservatives, is here. Hello, Andy.
2: Hello. Good morning. And uh, Jeff. As my, as my dog runs fallen. beside my desk Apologies for the noise <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, that's alright, don't worry Jeff Aberdeen also here, former Chief of Staff to Alex Salmond When he was First Minister, hello Jeff.
0: Good afternoon
1: Right, let's start by gauging levels of surprise At the result, Andy, how are you feeling?
2: Um, I, I mean, I, as you know from the last time we recorded, I don't, I, I didn't really believe anybody who said they knew what was happening because I don't think that in these leadership contests anybody ever really does know what's happening. So um, I don't think it was a huge shock. I always felt that the weight of the new members, if you want to call them that, the sort of post-2014 members, um, was going to swing it for Hamza because, you know, they are young, socially liberal, urban lefties, for want of a better term. Um, and I always felt that, you know, the, the weight of them, and there are still, a, despite the fact that some of them have left, there are still a lot of them, I did always feel that would tend towards Hamza. So when people have been asking me, I've largely been saying, I don't know, but if you hold a gun to my head and make me choose, I'm going to choose Hamza um, until, it's, until it's not Hamza. Um, and so it turned out that it was obviously really, really, really close which was, was pretty interesting, actually. In fact, when I saw the first preferences, you sort of thought, oh, hold on a second, that is pretty wafer thin. But I suspect that Kate may have expected, I mean, I, I haven't seen the exact uh, counting, but um, I think Kate might have expected some more of Ash Reagan's second preferences than she clearly actually got.
1: Jeff, how, yeah. how about you? Do you? When you kind of assess the numbers, is there anything anything surprising that we need to pick out as we start?
0: The closeness, um, whether it's whether or not surprising or not, if you were to say at the start of this contest, um, after week one, um, where Kate Forbes found herself mired in controversy around, you know, her um, uh, declarations on our personal beliefs and the way that she kind of explained that and said that this was going to be won by the Brexit vote of 52-48, I think a lot of people would have been surprised. So I think um, uh, Andy's right in where the some of those votes may have came for, for Hamza. Uh, uh, but I also think, as I've said throughout our podcast series so far, the weight of endorsements from uh, individuals may well have been what uh, uh, swung the balance in Hamza's favour here. I mean, John Swinney coming out, Deputy First Minister, uh, hugely respected figure. Um, I think that may well have been uh, clinching uh, these types of endorsements. Um, and, I, and I think the party has to reflect now that whilst Hamza has won, and, all, and by the way, all congratulations to him, you know, first Muslim first minister, first um, uh, first minister from an ethnic minority background, significant moment for our politics in itself, which is positive. But they will reflect that this was on a knife edge. And I do wonder if, if one of the first ports of call for Hamza will be to see how he can accommodate Kate in uh, uh, her uh, his cabinet. Whether or not not she wants that at this stage in her life for personal reasons, well, we don't know, but goodness me, a very close thing it was.
1: Yeah, I should say, by the way, that I'm speaking to you on the podcast from the room where the announcement was made this afternoon, just after two o'clock, where SNP staff and MPs and MSPs gathered. And as we're recording, everything is, as you can hear, being dismantled behind me, um, packing up and going home time is upon us. I have to say... There was an, probably a, a not uncharacteristic anxiety in the room in the sort of few minutes before the announcement came. Uh, the candidates then arrived, and again, just to sort of draw on some differences, Kate seemed to have what I would describe as a kind of professionally cheery look on her face throughout. Um, I wouldn't say it was a forced smile, I think that's unfair, but professionally cheery. Uh, Ash Regan throughout looked really quite perturbed, um, a bit. Could I say disgruntled, perhaps? And Hamza Youssef, of course, burst into life as soon as the declaration was made that he had, in fact, won. So that's that's kind of a bit of what that that part was like. But just as a reflection afterwards as well, as Kate Forbes was attempting to leave the room, she was mobbed for maybe 10, 10 to 15 minutes by journalists, and that it was her response that they really wanted. And I think she was maybe putting a, a bit of a brave face on it, um, as you would imagine, if, you know, if you lost something like this. Um, Andy, I just wonder what happens to... We'll talk about Hamza Yusuf more in a minute, I should say. But I wonder what happens to Kate Forbes from here on out.
2: Well, the reaction... So you were in the room. I watched it on the telly. And um, I, I, as soon as they walked out, I thought the result was really obvious. Ash looked furious. Hamza looked nervous. And Kate looked, as you say, like somebody who was putting a brave face on. Uh, And I presume, I mean, I wouldn't want to assume this, but I'm I'm guessing they were told in the room beforehand who had won. I mean, you know, even when people say they haven't, they usually have. So um, I thought that was pretty obvious when they came out who had won. Um, You know what I think is really interesting here? Kate Forbes, five weeks ago, announced her campaign and people said that she had set fire to it on day one. And despite all that, despite the social, uh, you know, the social conservatism and the controversy around that and the massive backlash from her colleagues in Parliament, despite all of that, her vision got 48% of the vote. That is a lot. That is a lot of votes. Humza's vision on first preferences did not get fifty percent. More people voted against him on first preferences than for him. And I think the really and, and, and that Kate Forbes agenda, we've talked about this in the podcast before, don't underestimate how radical a departure from the Sturgeon era that agenda is, talking about economic growth at the centre of everything, talking about public service reform. These are massive departures for a party that has been very used to a left-wing orthodoxy for quite a long time now. And 48% of the public, despite her first week, sorry, 48% of the membership, despite her first week, they voted for that. Now, I actually think Hamza can use that and create a kind of best of both worlds situation here because I think it's difficult for Hamza and his team to ignore the fact that almost half the membership voted for a radical departure from the continuity. Half the membership, almost half the membership said that they effectively agreed that what had been going on over the last few years was actually not sending it in the right direction. I think Team Hamza now might be able to take strength from this rather than seeing it as a threat. They might look at this and say, we've got to get her in here. Because not only is she speaking to almost half our membership, we know from polling that she's speaking to more of the normal people in the street than we are as well. We've got to get her in. We've got to give her a big job doing the things that she said we need to do on the economy and public services. Uh, Jeff, you know the ins and outs of the party much better than me but it feels to me like the first conversation he's got to have is to say to
0: Kate Forbes, can you please be my DFM? Yeah, well can can I I pick up on a couple of things you've said there? I'm less surprised that that Kate uh, run up the score so well. Um, um, her platform—you've got to remember—there's a lot of members in the SNP that will be members regardless of 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 who is leader. Um, and if you think back to the most, you know, the breakthrough election of 2007 and then 2011, that that platform that that was—I was part of at that time. Uh, is a lot a lot more aligned to what Kate Forbes is actually proposing you know wealth creation for greater wealth distribution you know and 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 so i'm less surprised that, that, that that's carried so much uh, weight in the result now to your point About uh, being viewed as a threat or or an opportunity, I agree with you. I mean, this has got to be viewed as an opportunity. Um, Hamza's team have got to reflect on right. We we can now bring this thing together. These parts of the party that that sustainable economic growth has always been part and parcel. Of, of the SNP's uh, DNA from my time. Um, and I think that what, what today's shown is that it's 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 still there and it's still evident. So yes, you're right. Use it as an opportunity to try and bring the party together. Will Kate say yes to uh, a cabinet secretary position or even a, a deputy first uh, minister position? I think that's yet to be seen. I do wonder if she has been pretty bruised by this whole experience as well, and whether she feels maybe it's time for her just to sit on the back benches, young mum and so on, as she said um, publicly. Um, But, I mean, my final kind of point on all of this is what does it mean for uh, Kate going forward? That was your question, Callum. I actually think she's she's somewhat in the box seat. If you were going to lose, you want to lose by a very narrow margin. Um, She can almost sit there... Um, uh, And she'll be very professional. She'll be very supportive. I know that from her character. Um, And if there is um, a slip up along the way for Hamza, she's set fair in in that context. Despite what she said, the opportunity, what she's done, she's given herself the opportunity, should she ever want to stand again. She's shown that she can carry a large swathe of the party, which I think is interesting.
1: Is there an argument here, I think something we've discussed before, that Hamza Youssef will now be leading the SNP towards opposition? Is that the reality that he's now having to come to terms with? We've discussed the brutal nature of his entry a couple of episodes ago in our our podcast series, and so I wonder if if that is the reality he's now facing, Andy.
2: Well, I think it depends what he does. He is facing a reality which you can't deny that Polling indicates he's going to lose seats at Westminster and Holyrood. So that's a that's a current fact. Facts are hard to come by in politics, as we know, right? But the, the, there is a fact, which is that current polling indicates he's going to lose quite a few seats at Westminster next year uh, and at Holyrood in 2026. But a year's quite a long time in polls and a long time in politics. Hamza Youssef is not what his detractors have said he is. I've worked with Hamza Youssef over the years, on and off, quite a long time. Jeff has as well. This man is not incompetent. This is a competent individual. He can do this job. He is capable of being First Minister. But it's about what he now does. His difficulty is, as we discussed, he's got large numbers of his party who voted for an agenda that was quite different to his own. On the other side, he's got a very hard commitment to the Greens. He's got gender recognition to deal with other acute issues like DRS to deal with, this is not an easy thing for him to balance. And he's got about a year to make at least 5% of the electorate who are in her, who seem to have moved away come back to him and move back away from Labour again. So it's not easy. I think expectation management is the absolute key for him here because as we sit right now if you had to put money on will he increase or decrease the number of snp seats at holyrood which uh, sorry at westminster which remember is 48 out of 59 seats he's got 80 percent of the seats if you said is that going up or going down the smart money has to be on that going down and it won't be his fault so i think that is an immediate issue that he's got to deal with
0: yeah, I totally agree with that um, expectation management. But you know, I I, I also feel you know, Humza's big weakness, uh, if the polls are to be believed, is he he hasn't really carried favour with the wider electorate. If I were advising him, I'd be getting him out there, attaching himself to positive issues um, that he wants to be known for. He really wants to set 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 his tenure as first minister apart from uh, what's gone before. Really important, he stamps his authority. And it has to be uh, taken outside the central belt as well, in the irts and perts of the country, and really introduce himself Uh, to different industries and different sectors and different geographies of the country. He must do that as a priority and see if he can gain more support within uh, the wider electorate. But I really want to turn back to to Andy's point as well. I find it quite frustrating. You know, I've known Hamza for 20 years. Um, uh, He is capable. There is no doubt about that. I've I've been in close quarters with him uh, and worked with him in government as well when he first became a a minister. Uh, And I think almost there isn't this kind of general kind of lazy um, analysis that he's not a good at all. So actually that's quite a decent platform to come from because you can only work up the way. Now, it's not easy. And I think tactically he's got to be really careful about which issues he chooses to go on. And and I know we've got this looming gender recognition situation. I think that has to be navigated so carefully. I don't think you want that to be your first issue of being first minister, picking a fight that you might lose with the UK government on a legal process issue, which doesn't tend to move the electorate. Um, but secondly, we know that that was also an issue that divided his party as well and led to uh, uh, resignations and um, and people in his own party voting off. or One resignation, I should say, and people in his own party voting against. So I think he's got to be really careful about the issues he chooses. But moreover, he must get in and around the country, all the different geographies, all the different sectors, and try and pick up on... Uh, what Andy was saying earlier about where Kate's strength is, try and make that the opportunity to create that as a strength for you as well, particularly with businesses and industry across the country.
1: To what extent, Jeff, does this feel like a new chapter for the SNP? Because the accusation, as we've touched on, that's been levelled at and particularly by Kate Forbes, continuity candidate, more of the same. Does that mean it feels like a new era or not?
0: Yeah, good question. Uh, And again, this is going to be dictated and who he chooses for a cabinet, who he chooses for his advisors, and again, the issues that he chooses to go on. He knows again that that continuity uh, won't cut it message. It actually carried through quite well. It cut through um, and he needs to respond to that. But again, if we can turn that potential threat into an opportunity um, and if he's really willing to be this big tent leader, as he said in his speech today, which I thought was a very good speech incidentally, um uh then 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 he can address that head on, but I tell you you know, I said it last week, guys when we spoke you know moreover more than any other uh, leadership contest in my time, the next ten days, fourteen days are going to be so important to whether he uh, gets off to a good start or not, and that 's uh, appointing a cabinet identifying the policy ground that he wants to fight on and doing it in a strategic sense. And I think he has to think about this leadership contest and what his own members were telling him as well um, uh, and and carry on from there. So I suppose we'll be able to answer that question a lot better and more accurately in the next two or three weeks, uh, Calum.
1: Yeah, fair. I suppose with that in mind then, Andy, if if Hamza Youssef is to have a good start, as Jeff has outlined, does that mean it's a bad period for the opposition parties? Let's consider their their place um, up against, let's assume, uh, I think it's safe to assume, First Minister um, Hamza Youssef and leader of the SNP Hamza Youssef. Where, where are the opposition parties today?
2: Well, for Hamza to do well over the next year, uh, for the SNP's polling to go up over the next year, Uh, and for Hamza to hold on to all or as many of those 48 Westminster seats as possible over the next year, let's be clear, he has to take votes back from Labour. That's where they are. Mm -hmm. That's where these votes have gone. Labour have put on 10% sake of argument over the last year or so. Half of them have come from the Tories, half have come from the SNP, very broadly speaking. Hopefully John Curtis and Mark Diffley are not listening to dispute my figures. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the Tories are going to be where they are. The Tory issue is not really dictated by who the SNP leader is. The Tory issues are much broader and they're really uh, they're within their own house rather than anybody else's house. But what Hamza Youssef has to do here is persuade those voters who've gone back to Labour and who are calmed by the prospect of Keir Starmer being in government in Westminster, rather than the Tories being in government in Westminster, and are therefore prepared to vote for Labour again, because they don't think the uh, requirement for independence from Westminster is quite as strong as it would be where the Tories in office, Hamza use has got to persuade these people who've just gone to this new vibrant Labour leader, to come back to a new vibrant SNP leader. And I have to be honest, I think that's really hard. I I really think it's hard for him to do. The momentum is all with Anas Sarwar. And I think it's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, and to add to that, Callum, I mean, um, let's be honest. If I'm Keir Starmer, Anas Sarwar, even Rishi Sunak to a lesser extent, and Douglas Ross, I'm probably pretty pleased with this result. Because I think is a much more of a known quantity, and whilst I do think he's got a, a, lot, a lot more ability than um, perhaps the public perception is, they will try and, you know, really um, pinch him on his uh, incumbency and some of the challenges he's faced uh, as a minister. They would have been much more um, concerned about Kate Forbes promising quite uh, radical change, different approach, Um, And and that's more of the unknown quantity. And in politics, you much prefer what you know as opposed to what you don't know. Um, But but again, he's got to try and turn that to a strength. If the expectations are low amongst his opponents, try and confound them them and do it that way. Uh, And again, he's got a party, and this is his greatest strength. He's got a party, a parliamentary group, both north and south of the border, which is largely in his favour, in his camp. So they want him to do well. So he doesn't need to convince them... Um, of that particular um, position. So if I, were, if I were a betting man right now and, and were to say right, what's going to happen over the next year uh, and that into that general election, the biggest thing that you must do is start to uh, uh, manage expectations. When there's a shift, there is a shift. Um, and Labour are coming and, and I do think there's going to be some transfer of that UK advance for Labour Party to Scotland. So I'd get out pretty early and, and recognise that you're a new First Minister still bedding in, putting in place your programme of government. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll take the fight to Labour, we'll stand up for Scotland but be realistic uh, and not put you know, uh, uh, artificial targets on seats to be won. I think if he can do that, uh, uh, he must, stands much more chance of having a, a much longer period in, in office. But the, let's not make any bones about this. This general election for the SNP is huge. Used to be, it didn't really matter. It was a, a contest where you'd fight and get a handful. Back in my day, it was a handful of MPs if you were lucky. And then post 2014, of course, it was just landslide territory, just the degree of the landslide. We're in a different ballpark now. Um, And I think that has got to be politically one of the key uh, priorities for him to manage those expectations. Mm. Uh, Just a
1: very, very quick mention Andy, because the Green Party are of course crucial in all of this. We've set that out before on previous episodes. Is Hamza Youssef the Green Party candidate, if you like, Um, are we expecting any bumps in the road basically?
2: No, I mean, tomorrow's now going to be quite boring in that it, <laughs> it might be quite exciting <laughs> if Kate had won, to be honest, uh, because yeah. I think, you know, people wondered what might happen tomorrow in, with various different people in various quarters uh, if Kate had won, but tomorrow's election uh, for first minister um, will be uh, astonishingly dull. Now, uh, as a result of that, which many people will be pleased with, I think we've had enough excitement over the last five weeks or another day of it tomorrow. Um, but, the, but the green rule is fascinating. This is a party. I mean, you know, the phrase punching above its weight doesn't even come close to describing what the Greens have done over the last 18 months. You know, people are saying this is not the green tail wagging the yellow dog. This is just the green dog. Um, And that will be interesting in terms of how Hamza deals with that, because there is a direct relationship between the things that Kate Forbes has been talking about, the relationship with the business community, um, failing public services, uh, and of course, GRR, there's a direct relationship between those things and the Greens being in government. Now, Hamza Youssef will need to deal with these things, particularly the business community relationship. Because remember, we're not talking about massive corporates here. We're talking about the small businesses that are the backbone of the entire economy and therefore the backbone of the tax base. Right? They are very, very upset at the moment, and the Greens are not helping that. Hamza needs to try and work around that, so that's why I said earlier he's got a real balancing act here between keeping the kind of hard left of his government and the Greens on board, and having a nod towards a more centrist economic position that forty-eight percent of his party just voted for.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to repeat verbatim what you've just said because I do largely agree, but um, I'd add to that, Andy. Hamza uh, would be pretty wise to have uh, to manufacture, if it, even it's that, in political terms, but to have. Um, some set, set ground rules about how he's going to deal with the Greens. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to show a bit of teeth in a, publicly in his discussions with the Green Party. I think that's required because uh, that perception of the, the green dog, as you put it, um, uh, is pretty widespread. I pick it up quite a lot in my interactions, yes, with the business community, but beyond that as well. And so it wouldn't be the worst thing for him to have some pretty you know, strong uh, parameters to work within in terms of the future of the, the relationship with the Greens. And that, again, might be turned into an advantage as opposed to a weakness as it might be viewed just now.
1: Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for the instant reaction. Um, A really solid 20-minute run-through there for you of the immediate implications of all of this. We'll be back later in the week with even more considerations as things become a bit clearer, perhaps by then we'll even have some cabinet positions to talk about as well, and we'll get a sense of the direction of travel of Hamza Youssef's uh, new government. Um, If I don't leave this room soon, I'm going to be put in a box and wheeled out with the cables and the cameras and the goodness knows what else. So uh, we will leave it there on Holyrood Sources for this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Would you? Well, maybe maybe it's something worth considering yeah. <laughs> in that case. Oh, somebody's about to hit me with a ladder, I think. Um, right, thank you both. That is Hollywood Sources. We'll be back in the next couple of days. Make sure you follow and subscribe. There's still lots more to come, despite the drama of the leadership contest being over. And just as we finish, Kate Forbes tweets, literally in the last minute, this. My heartiest congratulations to Hamza Youssef, our new SNP leader and Scotland's next First Minister. I'm delighted for him. Wish him all the best. And we'll back him as he leads our party and our nation to better days. Perhaps, perhaps in the next couple of days we will understand more about what that all means. Uh, For today, thank you very much.